You're listening to Personal Rejection Letter, a podcast by writers with day jobs. Daniels. Hi, Kelly. I'm Dan Libman. Welcome to Personal Rejection Letter. How are you doing today? You know, doing okay. You, you did not sound demonstratively sure. Tell me what you mean by that. Do you really want to know, Dan? It's kind of personal. A little bit. I got. I, yeah. I sort of have to pee a little bit. And I was thinking, hmm, maybe I should have taken care of this before sitting down in front of this microphone. And But you know what? We can have a, like a nice sound effect, and uh, I'm just going to pee in a bottle while we do the, do our uh, our podcast. You know, I think you should hold it in like a child, you know, and then like just as as we go through the episode, you'll just get speedier and speedier and, and less coherent. And I also have to pee, but I'm it's because I'm pee, <laughs> so I always have to pee. Uh, maybe we should change the topic of the podcast, or maybe season two could be about just urinating. Just Personal excrement letter. Or yeah. Something like that. <laughs> okay. So what's going on, Dan? Then we have well, a topic I, and stuff. I have a topic, but I want to introduce my topic as part of the revision. So let me crumple up this paper here and say it's time for our revision segment. So Kelly, you go first because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blend. All right, man. You ready for this? I am. All right. I got a kind of complicated, at least in my mind, two part revision. I was listening to the to the last episode earlier this morning. And, um, and I was, I noticed, I remembered something I had said, this place I had gone that was a little bit dangerous and probably just really wrong and bad. And so I kind of want to revise what I said last week, or at least question it, or at least maybe halfway apologize for it. But Gabe, either because the sound quality was bad or he's just looking out for me, just cut the whole thing out. I, I noticed a, that was gone too. Yeah, and it was me kind of doing a thing that Don't people like it. us sometimes do. And what that thing is, is when white no. people... What? Don't repeat it. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm going to say that there's a thing that people do. And that's when white people ironically speak in racist voice, if you know what I mean. Use racist terms but to show how unracist they are. But there is a, a critique that maybe they are racist or they're letting that racist side of them kind of run rampant on the... Uh... But, um, so I did Actually, that and I, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I know that, uh, that you thought I was, Dan, and I, and I think that the listeners out there probably think that too. And I do what? understand that I give them that, the reason to think that, but uh, sometimes I say the wrong thing. and. And yeah. sometimes uh, it's erased. And um, well, for what it for what it's worth, you're making it sound much worse than it was. However, it did make me uncomfortable. And so when we were listening, when we, I was kind of had my my buttock muscles pre clenched, <laughs> but it kind of rolled right through it. It was gone, and I thought, "Holy cow, Gabe really is earning his money." That was yeah. awesome. Well, and it's because I was commenting on your um, story about Elian Gonzalez that was, um, non PC according to the editors and they pulled your story before it got published. So I bet right. you that had something to do with your discomfort because I was sort of putting the, the stuff on you. 
No, it was sort of the, uh, it was just literally the, as you said, the white privilege of being able to use, like when Louis C.K., you know, he uses the N-word, which you didn't use the N-word, but, but when he does that, and we're supposed to think that's okay because he's somehow above it all, and the fact that he's using it just some, makes it more intellectual somehow, but I actually don't like it when he does it. How about when people say N-word, because it puts the word in our minds, but you don't have to take responsibility for saying it. That's the Louis C.K. joke. I know, it is. He says the word, yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't like You know what, it. I can say one thing, and maybe right. I have the, the right to say it because I lived in Mexico for a while, and I taught English in a, uh, um, in a Mexican... Here. No, here's the deal. Okay, maybe it ruffles some feathers. You guys can send your hate mail if you must. But um, when I was teaching, I had a student, ESL, English as a Second Language in Mexico, and these are Mexicans who want to learn English because they want to make some money in the tourist trade. Maybe some of them want to come to America legally, no doubt, and basically just better themselves. And they're working, and uh, they were great people, and I love the students. And um, one of them made me understand some of the racial, racial uh, disparaging remarks, um, terms that we use. Um, we Americans use, and he just wanted me to know that he knew that that's what we are, um, Mexicans were called in, in America. And I feel so stupid walking around. The word is beaner. It's not really that outrageously horrible. It's offensive. Um, but, um, he was sort kind of, of saying, like, you don't really hear people say that anymore. Not really. I, it's kind of old fashioned. Um, it's ironic as, as a, as a, as a racial epithet, it's sort of got an ironic twist to it, sort of. Well, this guy was telling me that um, he was saying it as a joke, and but you know, you know that he probably didn't like being called that by some smug American. Um, but then he said that the, the the word exists in Spanish, and it's frijolero, and uh, which you know, you know some Spanish, right? you know Spanish, right? Yeah, it's bean, right? Bean frijolero. No, ero is the personification of the word, so it's okay. just beaner. Um, and he's like, but that doesn't mean the thing that it means in the United States. It means farter. Somebody oh. farts all the time. And it's kind of a gentle insult in Mexico. So, which, yeah. and I kind of like it because it's more pointed. It, it actually makes sense. Right. And the more beans you eat, the more you toot that one. So yeah. that's my uh, revision. And, you know, maybe I just stepped in it. And, but, you know, I think I'm making too big a deal about it and probably, you know. Well, it's it, you've given us a lot to uh, to think about. I, I wonder if do you, did you ever have the product Bino? Yeah, sell it on the marketplace. What, I wonder what they call it. They sell that in Mexico. I believe they do. Hey, here this is funny. There's a chain of <laughs> of coffee shops in Michigan called called Beaners, and oh. it, the couple that opened it it started with one shop, and then they started then they um, franchised out. Right, and they were think, thinking about getting funding to go nationwide. And one of the, whatever, one of the people, the marketing people said, "Absolutely, you cannot." You know, they had to change the name. Yeah, yeah. They, and the and the couple, this Michigan couple, had absolutely not a single clue that right. this was an offense. It was beaners because it was coffee beans, and so they called it Mister Bees or something. Then they changed. They used almost the same logo, but without the word and. Um, well, anyway. you know, that's, that's actually not the worst instance of that. There's, there was a bakery shop that opened in the LaSalle, Peru area called Two Women and a Cupcake. Yeah. I don't Do you know, know that. One? I don't well, get know what that means. There's a horrendous, uh, meme pornographic uh, YouTube out there that's almost called that exactly same thing. Uh, huh. 
just without the word cake in it. And uh, I don't recommend our viewers, like you who've never heard of it, to to Google it. it uh, they leave it. Suffice it to say, they had to change the name. Got it. Anyway, my revision. Uh, last week, I revised the fact that um, I had mispronounced Michael Chabon's name. Mm-hmm. I said that it was called Michael Shabin. Well, yeah. I was told that I have again mispronounced it. But rather than correct the pronunciation, because I've heard now two different things since that episode aired from people, from friends, from well-wishers, I want to talk about Michael Shabin. In fact, I want to make that – I want to make him and his presence on the planet the subject of this episode, Kelly. Yeah, you told me. And you said, don't read anything by him or look at, don't study, don't, don't prepare. Just no. leave it to me. I'm going to make it so funny that you're going to be like falling off your chair, knocking no. your mic over, just no, like pissing your pants because you hadn't gone to, the, gone to the bathroom yet. And so do it, man. I'm ready. That was your decision. I didn't say it was going to be funny. I said it was going to be poignant. Now, this is in the spirit poignant. of... Uh, <laughs> you did not say that it was going to be poignant. Check the email. Okay. In the spirit of um, uh, Nicholson Baker, who wrote a book called uh, You and Me about John Updike, about the world of John Updike. And uh, very recently, there was another writer who I actually knew from grad school named J.C. Hallman, who published a book about Nicholson Baker called Be and Me about sort of about the same thing. He, he was living in the world of Nicholson Baker, but he hadn't read any Nicholson Baker. So he set out to read this. I think there's like 20 novels. And he kind of wrote about the experience of reading Nicholson Baker. And so in that, in that, in that spirit, I want to talk to you, Kelly, about what it's like to be a writer of about our age and of about our ethnic background and be living in the same world as Michael Chabon. Uh, I first found Michael Chabon when I was in, I think I was an undergrad. Shabon. That's how, that was the latest correction that I heard. Um, Shabon. And I practiced. It's hard to say because you have to stop between the Shay and the Bon. You can't just say Shabon. I mean, you can, I guess, but you want to say either Shabon or Shabon, but it's well, Shabon. So I've been sort of practicing Shabon, Shabon. And, it, and if you, it's kind of, there's a doo wop kind of thing going like Shabon, Shabon, Shabon. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, so we can work it out. We, by the end of this, we're going to be just super adept at saying Shabon. 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 It's impressive that you, that what is, what do you think the uh, provenance of the name is? I mean, what is, he's, he's a Jewish writer, but what is, what, what is Shabon? Is that French? Is that Italian? What is it? I mean, it's like Michael Shabon, Shabon himself. It is just like this otherworldly sound to it. Shabon. He's a long-haired, fifty-year-old white guy, like heavy. Like he kind of listened to Aerosmith when he was younger. That's my guess, and that's where the name comes from. He Aerosmith listener, and Cole Porter, and just everything. You know, he just sucked everything in as a sponge. And uh, when we were undergrads, I don't know where you were, but I was in Chicago at the time. Mysteries of Pittsburgh came out, and it, it caused a stir. And people were saying, this generation has found its voice. In fact, it was right on the cover of that book, Mysteries of Pittsburgh. And I read it, and I just thought, what the? I didn't understand it. I couldn't uh, understand what the big deal was. Well written, I guess. I mean, the sentences were nice. but Was the it story too mysterious? Or it too wasn't Pittsburgh-y. It had no mystery to it. Oh. It had a lot of Pittsburgh, though. Oh. You know what? This this podcast episode isn't making Michael Shabon like us very much. I, I'm starting to kind of, you know, well, realize. I, 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 a lot of my response to that book was just jealousy. 
they were already saying the voice of the generation that I was trying to write and had already been discovered. And it wasn't me or Brett Easton Ellis, who was the last voice of the generation that they had trumpeted. And I've read a few Michael Shabon books. Shabon? Shabon. Shea Stadium, Bon, as in Bon Jovi. The Yiddish Policeman's Union is a great book. I thought it was terrific. I think it does exactly what he wanted to do, which is to write a genre book, but to sort of subvert the genre a little bit, to kind of go beyond the genre and suggest something about the world beyond through this uh, genre of the detective, the hard-boiled detective story. Really well done. Yeah, I haven't read it, and I haven't read much um, Michael Shabon. Um, Shabon. But uh, I've read, uh, what did I read? Um, Wonder Boys, I read a lot of, I watched the movie first and I, I, I thought that I wouldn't like a movie about a writing program and all, but I really found the movie completely charming and enjoyed it. And, uh, Michael Douglas played that, that main character and just, he was just, I liked him and wanted, you know, just kind of enjoyed what being on his side. And it was one, and I read the book and I thought, First off, I, I was really enjoyed it a lot, and I thought that he's a super good writer. I mean, this is just sentence by sentence, just the way it's going and the character development. And I'm I'm thinking this guy is is extremely good, good a talented writer. Um, but it it turned out I didn't finish the book, and it, it was one of those rare instances where I thought the movie was better than the book, because the movie cut out this big long part in the middle of the book. The movie cut it out, right? I said that right. Um, And usually when that happens, you think, oh, my God, the movie gutted the book, completely ruined it. But it was that part in the middle of the book was tedious and unnecessary, it seemed to me. And it went on for pages and pages and pages. And that's where I stopped reading. I I thought, I I know what's going to happen in the book because it's following the movie very carefully, except for this section taken out. So I didn't read it, and um, then the the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay was a huge thing. But I was never a, a comic book guy. I just didn't. I you know I read a little bit of like the X Men and Daredevil in high school for a bit, flirted with the whole kind of being that kind of nerd. But I just didn't wasn't that into them. I actually read novels and stuff. Not that I'm better than comic book people or novels are superior. I just I just they, it didn't do it for me, and so book about comic somehow that comic book world just didn't appeal to me and then later um he did a some genre stuff that was about the the fantasy books that he read as a child and that I read as a child um and I forget the actual writers that he he talked about but you know what I'm talking about it was like the travelers of the you don't know gentlemen of the road yes yeah that I started reading it because I loved all that, you know, kind of like cut purses and thieves and, you know, knights and kind of hanging out, you know, Dungeons and Dragons on in novel form kind of. Um, but uh, but I started reading it and I was like, eh, it's kind of mediocre of that genre. And I'm not 14 anymore. So I didn't read it. And so I didn't I don't have a huge endorsement for for a. Uh, Michael Shabon's um, books, but uh, mostly because I haven't read it and I'm not that interested. And he seems like a good writer. Um, it's not his fault that he got more famous than everybody. Um, and I'm sure he's happy about it. 
Um, and but I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt that maybe they know that they're probably not all that and that they're doing their best like the rest of us. And and perhaps he I'd like to think that he knows he got really lucky and you know, it was kind of there's a random quality to it and his long flowing locks and good looks have something to do with it and and a lot of it's timing, you know, he's at the right writing program with the right professor at the right time and But he you know, there was also this whole big mystique about him when he first was came on the scene, everybody thought he was a gay writer. This was in the 1980s. And he's talked about this. I heard him talk about this on Fresh Air, that he had to spend a lot of years sort of not really advertising it, but kind of sort of being sheepishly admitting that he wasn't gay or that he was not always gay or maybe that he was bi or something like that. But so, and I think that's because the P Mysteries of Pittsburgh was, was had a homosexual character in it. I'm not sure what the reason was, but his his books have always been entangled with him as a personality. It's just always been a part of it, possibly because he was so good looking. Is he good looking? I think so, right? I mean, yeah. his picture is glamorous. Seems like it, yeah. Seems like he's a good looking, I mean, younger man. He was like, he was handsome, and uh, now he's sort of a, a good looking middle-aged man. You know, he, when I was at McDowell, they talked about him a lot. When Molly McNett and I were at McDowell, they were constant. Be <laughs> the writer, the author, Molly McNett. Have you heard oh, of yeah. it? Very good. MacNett. MacNett. <laughs> McNett. Right. I believe is how she pronounces it. Isn't he? He's a bigwig with the with those with the. Uh, he, they have the a the way that McDowell works is that they have a bunch of studios scattered around the property, and they are right. not equal. Some are like kind of old and funky. Um, I mean, they're all cool in their own way, but some are palatial relatively. And the, the number one modern, awesome, just badass studio is uh, the one that they reserve for him whenever he just feels like popping on by. That's what they said. Um, this is where um, Michael Shabon stays when he comes. And um, it's a real honor to be put in that one. Needless to say, I, they kept me as far away from it, I think as possible like on the map you could look and i'm like the, the longest distance from the, the special studio um but shortly after that he became the president of That's the board of trustees or whatever it is the uh um uh the mcdowell colony has and and you know right. he's sending out letters and like asking for funds and you know, doing some work to uh make sure that 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 organization keeps going and that institution and you know, I, I, I well, have good feelings about him overall, even though I don't really read his stuff. That's my my take on it. Well, you certainly read his fundraising letters. Are they well written? <laughs> I don't read them. I see that they're fundraising letters, and I think, you know, someday that'd be nice to be in a position to drop 10 grand on you guys, but it ain't it ain't happening right now. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep you in my thoughts, and uh, that's about it for now. And prayers, thoughts and prayers. I don't pray for the McDowell colony. Never have. I think if uh, Mr. Shabon, Shabon asked you, you would do it. Um, I'm hoping that doing this podcast, I know he's going to listen. He's a fan. I hope it doesn't keep us out of the McDowell colony. I, 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 I think that uh, I think what we're talking about on a broader spectrum is outsized personality. And Franzen has to deal with this a little bit too, and uh, you could probably think of some others whose personality sells a lot of books. Uh, Shabon is, he does have the goods. I mean, a lot of those books are good. There, there are people that I really respect who love his writing, particularly Cavalier and Clay. Should I read it, even though I don't like uh, comic books? 
You know, I I had a similar experience to you. I read about halfway through and I lost interest in it. But the the, the first section of it takes place in um, Prague, actually, is where it's set. The uh, the character immigrates from his homeland, and uh, it's a great opening scene. I was I was mesmerized by the first. 40 or 50 pages of it. And then it gets to New York and it gets to be the comic book stuff. And I, and I lost interest in it as you did. You're allowed. Yeah. You're allowed to do that. So yeah, right on. Is that, uh, is that what we have to say about, uh, our, well, our non guest? Want... We should I... just do this all the time and have non guests. And then we can really say what we feel about them. Um, because well, they're not the here. If he'd like to rebut, Rebut, he can come on, and uh, we'd love to have him on. We would treat him very nicely. I wouldn't even uh, ask the stuff that I wrote down here about his wife. You know, his wife's also a writer, like me. His wife is a writer. Hmm. Did you know that? I didn't. It doesn't surprise me, though. Sometimes writers marry writers. And there was a controversy, which I'm only going to allude to, but not get into the specifics of, because you can Google it if you want. And I'm guessing most of our listeners already know it where she wrote an essay, which was published in the New York Times, where she basically said she loves him, his, her husband, Michael, the writer Michael Shabon, more than she loves her kids. Not Shabon, Shabon. Michael Shabon. Shabon. She said, by the way, her name is even harder. Come on, man. If you sing it, I think you'll, you'll get it. Shabon, Shabon. I can't sing. Neither can you, by the way. What? Oh, yeah. you're just sore after me catching you thinking that Prague was a country. I know you're Prague trying... is a country. Well, now. Hey, Molly thinks you're too mean to me on these podcasts. Does she? Yeah. I I think she's probably right. <laughs> she's going to send you an email if you don't knock it off. <laughs> well, yeah, but I got to be me, baby. I got to be me. Do you have to, though? Think I, about it. I sort of. Yeah, that, that is a good question. Probably not. I probably don't have to be me. I also wanted to say that Michael Shabon. So wait, they love their the first podcast. Love, she loves her husband more than her kids. Correct. More than that's she a perfectly th- fine thing to to experience because nobody can control their emotions. But did you really have to put it in a newspaper? You know that your kids are going to read later. That seems kind uh, of <laughs> weird, but whatever. Yeah, it was it was a slightly more nuanced article, but she she caught a lot of flack. She published it in the age of Gawker, so it got a lot of media attention and that sort of thing. It's interesting, but it's part of his whole thing about, you know, living. What is it like to be living on the planet at the same time as Michael Shibben? And I'm not sure what the answer is. Sometimes I don't know where I begin and where he ends. <laughs> I don't think you're being completely earnest with us here. I think you do know where you end and he begins. But a lot of it has to do with jealousy, Kelly. That's what I'm talking about. And we've talked about that a lot on there. Now, I shouldn't be jealous of him because he's way more talented than I am. But I am anyway. And I feel like if he hadn't gotten published so early and been called... Better looking than you? Oh, my God. It's not even close. Taller? I'm pretty sure. I don't know about that. Richer? Oh, he has a lot more money than you. He lives in New York City. Lives in a cooler place? Yep. Yeah. In McDowell Colony, pretty easy for him to get a residency there since he's the president or was recently and has his own studio. And a nice one, I hear. It's very nice. Absolutely. There's a lot of reasons to be jealous of him, for sure. Mm-hmm. See, I also have on my note, um, oh, loves her children more. I wrote that. I wrote the word arrogant. Sometimes he seems arrogant to me. 
Yeah. I've not, I've really never read or listened to an interview with him or anything. And I, I would be arrogant if I were him. I guess I'm yeah, just going to defend him because your, your angle is clear and it's not because I love him, but I figure it's better if we have opposing sides in this conversation, just so we're both not just agreeing with each. Yet, like in S Town, the guy goes, "Yep, ah, yep." I love that part of S Town. That's my. That's probably the best character in the whole thing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that guy's so funny, and then you can tell that the guy who's recording him wishes he wasn't back there because he has to keep coming on saying, "On oh, that voice is in the background is his uncle." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, uncle was good. It was good to have an uncle like that who walks around and just kind of sings, uh, just supports everything you say in this real loud and, and enthusiastic way. That's right. Yep. That, this podcast, uh, I, I'd like to send you out down to Alabama or something. Uh, Get some audio. I'd do it. I'd do it. You know, one thing about that podcast, the, yeah. uh, the main guy, the guy that did the podcast, uh, yeah. I remember his name. He ends every, he says every sentence sounds like a question when he says statements. Do you notice that? Yeah, it gets, um, we're walking down the street and we see the coffee shop and and he always seems like he's about to start crying. Like there's a weepiness in his voice. That's kind of, I thought he was like playing it up, but I think that's his voice. The, the way you're imitating him is sort of like standard up talking. His voice kind of like a crackly and like yeah. like like a billy goat at the end. And I, I've noticed some people do that. I think it's the male version of the of the uh, you know the vocal fry that you you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's the sort of like the male version of that a little bit. Yeah, um, the uh, Ira Glass does it too, doesn't he? Sometimes. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy. Had I think he learned how to talk by listening to Ira Glass, and so. You could kind of see, but he overdoes it a little. Like anybody who's imitating somebody else, they tend to exaggerate it a little bit. I think my maybe friend, that where that guy's coming from. My friend David Hopshine, who's a playwright in Chicago, has this theory, and he worked with Ira Glass on a couple of projects. He has this theory that they do that vocal fry stuff as a way of being dispassionate about the subject to show that you know you're too cool for what it is that you're talking about, and to give you a little bit of distance on it. You know, like here I am, sort of like. And they, you know, and then he killed himself. Like, like all that. Yeah, that's what he he did sound like him. You're good at that, man. He sounded just like him for a second. And yeah, I think the crackling. You know, what it sounds like to me. It sounds like people the way people talk when they're smoking pot and they're passing the joint back and forth, mm-hmm. and somebody's like holding one in. Hey, man. Yeah, right. that's pretty. Uh, yeah, can yeah. you change the channel, dude? Like that I don't a little. Know about that from Cheech and Chong movies, but. It does sound about right, yeah. <coughs> Woo! <laughs> Pretending to smoke pot in the studio. Not well, allowed is... to smoke pot in the studio here. This is on a campus, man. Nope. I love these wide-ranging talks that we have, but I, I want to just... Uh, a final thing about Michael Shabon. Shabon, Shabon, Shabon. Which is Shabon. to say that... Uh, yeah? I like him. I like some of his books. I dislike some of his books. And uh, the world's a more interesting place with him in it, but uh, I've spent a lot of time. It's not that uh, much more interesting, though, if you really think about it. Uh, well, during the period of time when I was reading uh, the Yiddish Policeman's Ball, it was more interesting. Good. You sounded dispassionate and a little fryish when you said that. And, uh, the other thing about Michael Chabon is that he would never do a podcast. And that's it, Kelly. What are you reading? What are you working on? What are you uh, thinking about? 
Um, um, I'm going to talk about teaching this time. Okay. I don't know if I've talked about teaching lately, but uh, I, I did a sort of a cool little little deal with my creative nonfiction class. Shout out to them if they're listening. Um, and uh, I scheduled three days of class for them to do readings at a local hipster bohemian style cafe. And Which one? Uh, Roz Talks. Oh yeah, that's a good place. Roz Talks is a very cool place. Has uh, you know, it's it's the the area is only true kind of hip bohemian urban place that shows weird foreign films and and has uh, eclectic musical acts and um, things like poetry readings and stuff. It's very cool. Um, so uh, yeah, we go there during class time and uh, students are getting up on the stage and doing their reading and. And they're super good and talented, and I'm digging it. It's been uh, one of the better little experiments I've done as a teacher, and I, I'm going to keep doing it, you know, as long as uh, the Ross Talks people allow me, and as long as the students don't rebel and write too many nasty things on my my you know student responses, like you know, I wish you wouldn't make us go to that stupid place. I have to drive there. But so far, the students dig it. So yeah. How do they get over there? How do they get there? Is there a bus or something? There's a bus. Totally. There's a bus and most of them have cars and it's about a mile away from campus, you know, but I've done this kind of, I've had them practice readings on campus and we have all kinds of theater spaces and, you know, stages and stuff like that. Completely zero energy when we do it on campus, just, uh, you know, just kind of like, uh, we're going through the motions, but here we go to the cafe and there's a few people already sitting there hanging out at the bar. And so there's a little bit of an audience outside of our class, but just this, it just feels real in a way. Um, and then the mischievous ones who are over 21 buy a beer and then they look at me like I'm going to like give them a shake my finger at them or something. Or, or maybe they raise their eyebrows a little like, eh, eh, drinking a PBR. And, uh, <laughs> and so they're, you know, they're kind of, they're cute yeah. that way. Um, so, Old man Daniel's gonna smell beer on my breath. <laughs> and it's a, a class meets from two twenty to two thirty to four thirty. So it's you know it's afternoon. It's and it's the last class of the day. That's great. So uh, yeah, it's been groovy. So how about so you, man? What are you reading? I'm guessing there's some civilians there. I mean, the Ross talks. The regular <laughs> enjoy listening to it. As uh, well. I don't. We've only done two days, two sessions of it so far, and this last one, it's actually good for the students because. You know, some customer came in and was just completely rude and loud and like, like singing to himself as if he's taking a shower and singing so loud that the reader had to kind of like read loud. It was distracting the person on stage and we, and it was awkward, but that's part of the whole thing too. It's supposed to be a learning experience. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, there, so there's that, you know, there's like a distraction element because it's real life, bro. Cool. That sounds like fun. Yeah. How about you? What you've been uh, doing? What you've been reading, writing, and all that kind of business? Yeah, you know, my semester's also winding down, and I've got, I think I have a sort of interesting story to tell, but I'm going to wait till the semester is over, over, so that I'm sure that none of the students can possibly, uh, this can affect my evaluations or anything like that. Uh, and I want to say ahead of time, I know that I'm going to be revising this whole episode. I can, my eyes just glanced down on the Wikipedia and it says Shea as in Shea Stadium, Bon as in Bon Jovi. Is that how we were doing it? Shea Bon. That's how I, that's how 
That's how our we good friend it. Joe Bonomo told us how to do it. That's the, how yeah. I was doing it, and it wasn't how you were doing it. Pretty for most of the uh, podcast. Well, it just you know it. it I, I'm full of regrets. I can't wait to hear it and see if I if it actually uh, came out the way I was hoping it would. But uh, I would say that uh, I, I think it's say- great. I think you did great, Dan. I think it's fun. I, see, now I'm, I'm confused because usually you belittle me. But I, I think that uh, I want to say the book I'm reading is is called Roughing It by Mark Twain. You ever heard of him? Um, is it pronounced Twain or is it Twain? Twin, twin. Mark as in, as in Mark Twain and Twain as Mark in Mark Twain. Twain. Yeah, I do know who Mark Twain is. Yes, it's true. I can't deny it. it. This is an old-timey uh, travel thing that he wrote, and uh, my daughter uh, – it- for some reason, they were talking about it in high school. We looked it up online, and you could get a copy of it for three bucks. I think it's out of copyright. Anyway, we got it, and we've been reading it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's you forget those. You remember how the books were written in those days? They would have like these subject headings before the chapter. And upon the time we got on the, uh, the stagecoach, and we packed our bags, and we met the Pawnee Indians, and then we did this, and and, and that's hmm. just the you know the chapter heading. It's it's half as long as the chapter itself. And then it goes on, and it's very funny, very dry. I, I think that this guy's going to survive in the canon. You think so, Mark Twain? I predict good things from Mark Twain. Yeah, I think that's not a, that's not a crazy bet. Um, and cool. I predict good things for uh, Mr. Shea Stadium, Bon Jovi, and good things for Kelly Daniels, and good things for you, Gabe. Thanks for engineering. Yeah, totally, man. Thank you so much, Dan. And uh, um, nice talking to you, bro. And we'll have to hang out again. It's baseball season now. There's yeah, should come down well, for a River Bandits game. Maybe we could. Uh, I would. Maybe love we got to do uh, writing in baseball, and we could sit in the the um, the bunker, the outfield kind of grass area, and uh, yeah. record a podcast live at the ball game. Wouldn't that be cool? Yes, I would love it. We'll have to see when my Beloit Snappers are going to be playing your uh, River Bandits. And I even know a uh, kind of a baseball writer we could invite as a guest. Yeah, I can. I imagine. I, I imagine that our baseball writer friend might might really enjoy it. He so, might want to come at the bottom of beer. Yes, indeed. All right, man. All Thank right. you very Thanks, much. Kelly. And see all you guys later. Bye-bye. Adios, homies. Special thanks to Augustana College and WAG Student Radio. Gabe Tucker is our audio engineer, and Sub-Atlantic provides the theme music. You can reach Dan and Kelly on Facebook. We always welcome comments, critiques, suggestions, and especially praise. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you hear, do a podcast a solid and leave a review on iTunes. See you next time.